0: Human trafficking, one of the largest crimes, exists in every country of our world. A handful of organizations are hard at work rescuing the children, women, and men who have become the victims. This is Rock Against Trafficking, the radio show, featuring your host, Gary Miller. Help us build awareness as we talk to musicians, artists, producers, and others in the entertainment industry, showcase their projects, and build awareness to help put an end to human trafficking. Now, here is Gary Miller.
1: Hello, everyone. This is Gary Miller from Rock Against Trafficking, rockagainsttrafficking.org. Please go to the website. I'd like to introduce Ella Down into the show. She works in the adult industry, and I think she's got a great message. So, Ella, do you want to um, introduce yourself and what, um, what you do and tell everybody what you're
2: doing? Yeah, so um, I'm an adult film performer, and um, I've worked in the adult industry for about eight and a half years now. And I've been pretty active within the... Uh, sex worker advocacy community, so um, basically fighting harmful legislation against uh, against sex workers. And sex worker is a term that sort of encompasses a lot of different uh, kinds of of laborers in the sex industry. So a sex worker is a stripper, a cam girl, a porn performer, a dominatrix, uh, an escort. It's um, anybody who, who works in the sex trade, essentially, or, or has any ties to, you know, adult industry style work and labor. And so I've been working in that space for the past uh, probably about seven years, um, I was on the board of directors of an organization called the Adult Performer Advocacy Committee. Um, I was the president of that organization for a year, and we did a lot of work to fight um, some really harmful laws that were on the 2016 ballot. And we had we've had a lot of great successes and a few, you know, really heart wrenching losses. But um, the current thing that my community is really focusing on right now are uh, these two laws called SESTA and. FOSTA, and that's uh, Fight Online Sex Trafficking Act and Stop Enabling Sex Trafficking Act. Um, and there are two laws that are very, very similar, and they sound so good. They sound like very, very excellent causes. But unfortunately, as is the case with a lot of laws that center around sex workers, um, the way that it sounds and the way that it actually pans out for the the community that it targets are, are very different. So essentially, in an effort to stop sex trafficking on the internet, which is a noble cause, um, this law actually puts sex workers, consensual sex workers, people who, who work in this space by choice or by necessity, but still through their own agency it puts them in in a great deal of harm uh, to the point where there's no doubt that sex workers will die as a result of these laws. And these laws, while they purport to help victims of sex trafficking, they actually make the world more harmful for them. So on the one hand, for victims of sex trafficking, it actually pushes sex trafficking farther underground and makes it harder to find people who are trafficking People for sex or for labor or for any purposes, it makes it actually harder to target those criminals and help the people who truly need help and resources. And in the process, it also harms sex workers in that it makes it illegal to provide any kind of support for something that could be considered trafficking. Now, for the sex work community, what that means is websites where sex workers would place online advertisements for their services are now gone from the Internet. So as a result, they've basically been forced into the streets to work, which is very, very dangerous. Additionally, you know, a lot of sex workers would rely on on, you know, private community spaces to discuss clients who are harmful to them. And I know several of my friends who are sex workers who have avoided engaging with men who have a history of abuse and brutality. Um, one woman I know even avoided a man who, um, because she had this resource online, she found out that he had actually strangled other sex workers to the point where they were hospitalized. And because of a resource like that, she was able to avoid that and and stay safe in, in, her, in her work. But now because of SESTA and FOSTA, those resources are no longer available. So what we see, what we've already been seeing on the Internet is men who are patrons of sex workers who are just relishing the fact that sex workers can't be as choosy and can't, you know, they can't vet their sources. They can't check to make sure that the people they're working with are safe and not going to hurt them. It's just absolutely done a lot of harm for the sex worker community and i know that a lot of people maybe some of your listeners might not feel a sense of you know connection rapport or support for those for those workers but the truth is these are these are largely marginalized people who are doing the work that makes the most sense for them Mm -hmm. and if that doesn't matter to you then perhaps the fact that these laws are absolutely ineffective to the point of being harmful and detrimental to the communities they purport to serve like that's the really big thing that um that, you know, I think a lot of people can resonate
1: with. I've just come back from Vegas, and I had some horrific stories. There was some guy that was at a a site and everything. What he was doing, he was waterboarding people until they are out and then reviving them. And while he was filming it, I mean, I had some horrific stories. I mean, this guy was put in prison, but now apparently he's out and these, these things have reappeared again now. So there's got to be something done about this because it's just giving people free reign to do whatever they want and that and we've got to be vetted it's craziness you know
2: i know that's horrifying and uh if if you met people who are the victims of that i do hope that you'll pass along my love and support to them because that's absolutely unacceptable and really terrible
1: i mean when i heard this story there was one girl she was hung up by the toes and broke all obviously and broke
2: all oh my god
1: she was actually being tortured while she was passed out and she woke up while she was still being tortured and I've never had anything like it in my whole life.
2: A lot, or I don't want to say a lot, but a significant number of people who are now consensual sex workers have been victims of trafficking themselves, and have been, you know, victims in their own right. And I think, you know, I'm fighting against these laws. I think they're terrible. I think they are unilaterally harmful, both to people they, you know, say they're going to help, and also to the people who are uh, affected by it, you know, on the sidelines. One of the things that the sex worker community is fighting for and advocating for is decriminalization of sex work, because what you have is you have a, you have sex workers who are afraid and unable to report crimes like that against them, because if you go to the cops and say, "Hey, you know, I was escorting and this person brutalized me," well, you just you just confess to a crime, and the way that sex workers are treated by police is. And and just the the uh, justice system in general is historically pretty pretty bad. Um, For example, there was one sex worker who she actually went to court because she was raped by a client, and the judge determined that she was not raped, but in fact it was theft of services. Like like this man went to a restaurant and walked out on the bill. Like that was essentially what they equated it to legally, and so Mm -hmm. we have. It's it's terrifying for for a sex worker to go to the police, but if our work, if that work was decriminalized, then it would be a lot easier to be able to go and say, hey, this thing happened to me, and not be afraid that you know that you're going to get in trouble simply for doing the thing that you do for work. It would also make it, I think, a little bit safer because that way, the men that these largely women are engaging with would not be as personally targeted if it turned if it comes out that they were working with a sex worker because they wouldn't be in legal trouble either. So it would essentially create a system where uh, people who are abusing and, and trafficking and harming people could be brought to justice where while the people who are you know engaging consensually and of their own agency would be able to do the work they do and you know yeah. offer resources well, and protections.
1: And obviously, with it, it, and the, the people know that they can't do anything so they, they feel like they've got a free reign to do whatever they want and they're not gonna get
2: reported. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that's, you know, that's the, the root of, of sex trafficking because, you know, a lot of traffickers will tell their victims that, you know, you're complicit. So you have no protections under the police. And, you know, that mentally can keep people uh, like in bondage with these people. Even if they see an opportunity to get away, they frequently are so mentally traumatized that the idea of getting away is just as terrifying to them.
1: When you when you think as well, and I mean, a twelve-year-old girl or even younger, what are they going? To, they don't understand about sex, and they're not. All, they're not meant to, you know. You're not meant to have sex at that age. Your bo- your body's not developed enough, and these these people have been forced into it. So, I really agree that the porn industry could be a real advocate for this and watch out for things. And but obviously, if if you're getting You know, prosecuted. It just gets thrown out. It's it's ridiculous. You know. It's yeah. I'm totally with you on that, and I think it's. I think it's great what you're doing. I think. Try. You know. It's it's really eye-opening as well because I don't even think people realise that you know that you you're against this sort of cause. I think they all tie you all together, which I think is totally wrong. It should, never, should never be tied together with, you know, the trafficking and the porn industry. It's just that things get attached. I mean, I even feel like homelessness and poverty it leads to trafficking because if people have got no money, they they have to they have to do something. Some people have got no choices, you know.
2: Absolutely. And honestly, sex trafficking, uh, I mean, you would know better than I since, you know, you run the organization, but I believe sex trafficking is really a, a much smaller portion of overall trafficking than things like labor, um, you know, especially mm-hmm. uh People being brought over from other countries to be to work in homes as au pairs, or, or care for children, or be maids and and you know cleaning service workers, and they get there and their passports are taken away and they're forced into into servitude.
1: I mean, I mean even that, even if you know if it was a, if somebody comes and works as a maid, say if all of, whoever's employed there, if they, if they decided to force or rape, rape them, I mean these people are going to be frightened because of the authorities and stuff. So it's you know, they're actually stuck in a situation where they must feel totally, totally helpless. Absolutely. And um, did, you, did you mention that you were doing a walk or something? Jamie was telling me that you was going to be doing a walk again.
2: Yes, yeah, so June 2nd, um, this Saturday, is International Sex Workers Day. And in several cities across the country, um, communities of sex workers are coming together to march against SESTA and FOSTA and basically fight for our, our lives. I mean, this is literally going to result in the death of people. If we can't protect ourselves, if we can't, you know, if, if people who are, escorts can't vet their clients if they can't have a community space where they can talk about the people who were physically abusive to them then the logical conclusion is that they i mean we've already seen sex workers dying as a result um and everybody in the sex worker community is coming together so i am i'm a porn performer and i have the luxury and privilege of of working in you know a side of sex work that's actually legal but it's never like the fight is never going to be done until all of my sex worker, you know, brothers and sisters have the same rights and, and privileges that I do. And so, um, I am going to be marching on Saturday in Los Angeles along with uh, a lot of other people from all sides of the sex worker community, um, just to to fight against this law and to have our voices be heard because it's very easy to silence sex workers. So, the work that Stormy Daniels is doing and the the mainstream recognition and, and to some degrees respect that she's getting, is I think. Doing a lot for the way that people perceive us.
1: I'm not sure what is legal and what isn't legal within in the porn industry. How do they define that?
2: There are obscenity laws that regard that are more regarding content, um, but within the industry. <clears throat> You have to be tested every 14 days. You have to go through a battery of STI tests for um, HIV, chlamydia, gonorrhea, syphilis, hepatitis B, hepatitis C, and trichomoniasis. And for example, the HIV test we use has—I want to say like an 11 or 12-day window period. So um, it's the best HIV test on the market. It's not—you know—growing up, I was always told HIV tests—you know—it's got a window period of up to like three or six months. So if you were infected in the past three to six months, you won't know. That's—we use the best tests on the market. Um and so we uh yeah that's that's what we do. You have to be tested, you have to consent, you have to follow basic rules within the industry. And for an industry of renegades who typically don't like following rules, we are very staunch in the way that we follow these ones.
1: I'm sure there's a lot of people in this in the sex industry that, you know, that want this these laws passed so that they're protected. I mean it's it makes so much sense to me.
2: Yeah. We you know if you just decriminalize the work, take a look at porn. Um, porn as a legal form of sex work has a huge community of people who are seeking it out you know young people in you know, their early 20s and late teens are learning about it, researching it, and they come into it, and what they get is resources. You have organizations like APAC and the Free Speech Coalition and the Cupcake Girls who are all different organizations that exist to provide resources and assistance. Um, if you, like anything going wrong, if you have uh, you know therapy needs, if you need healthcare, if you need childcare, if you need oh, really? uh, legal advice, the Cupcake Girls provide that to you. The Adult Performer Advocacy Committee has meetings every month um, just to sort of decompress and come together as a community and talk about things that are important to you. We have these resources. Now that's because it's legal and we can advertise that and we can promote it. Yeah, now if if that existed for escorting and for the currently illegal sex work, if it was possible for them to provide resources and have organizations where they could come together it would be so much easier for, for those people to, to unite and to provide resources to people who don't want to be in it anymore. If you're a porn performer and you're done with it and you do not want to do porn anymore, these organizations help find resources for you to, to move on. Um,
1: so if suddenly you decided, no, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore, I want to go into this, is it very easy to, to get out
2: of? Well, no, not at all. But those problems aren't from in the industry. The industry isn't holding on to you. They're not saying, no, we own you. No, you can't. The industry is trying to give you as many resources as possible. There's a director in Vegas named Leroy Myers. He actually hosts um, events where he will train sex workers, no matter what kind of sex worker you are. He'll train you how to edit. He'll train you how to shoot. He'll train you in skills that are necessary for production so that you have options. But it's actually very hard to stop doing porn because the rest of the world uh, stigmatizes us. And so when we move on from porn and we try to get jobs elsewhere, um, The rest of the world basically says no you can't you can't teach i was a librarian i was a uh, a librarian and i worked with with teenagers i would never be able to do that job again having a history in porn not because porn is you know doing anything bad to me but because the rest of the world sees that i worked in porn and they don't want to hire me Um, i actually gave a talk in january and i highlighted 10 different people who moved on from porn and you know over a decade later Uh, For instance, one woman was a really excellent real estate agent and when one of her colleagues found out that she had done porn for like six weeks or something, ten years ago, she was fired from her position.
1: Really? That's, That's craziness.
2: Yeah. There was even one young man who was fired from Subway because he had worked in porn. Like, we can't even make a sandwich for people. And so part of helping people get out of at least the porn industry and part of, you know, the work that these organizations do is helping them find places who will work with them and hire them despite their, their history in the adult industry. And that's the thing. People think that porn ruins you and destroys you. No, porn is actually a really awesome job. What sucks is the way the rest of the world treats you.
1: I, I, yeah, I, I agree with that. And it, it makes it so difficult, like I said, to get out of it. I see what you mean there. You're not forced to stay in there, but you are in a way because you can't get a job with the, the, you know, the stigma with it all. So, Absolutely. No, it's... Um, I, I don't understand it really. But I think what I think what you're doing is fantastic. I think it really is.
2: Uh, I, I just... I'm so honored to have been able to speak with you about this and to share the stage with you at the Magic of Psalm panel. I I thought that was a really great event.
1: No, it was it was it was it was, it was really good. Do you want to announce your website, Ella, and stuff? Like that? So if anybody wants to check you out and if they want to, if they want to contact you for anything,
2: yeah. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at e l a darling. Um, and if you look up the Cupcake Girls, the Adult Performer Advocacy Committee, the Free Speech Coalition, um, those are all really great resources. I didn't really want to promote my my personal work right now. Just just because I don't think it's, yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah, I want to focus on the cause. But um, if you're interested in this, if you're interested in hearing more, uh, there are a lot of great voices on this cause. And, um, and yeah, I would be happy to share that with you.
1: All right, well, listen, that's fantastic. So we'll, um, and if you ever in, don't forget, if you're ever in Mallory, have to come to my studio.
2: Oh, I absolutely will. If I ever find myself over there, you are going to have a visitor.
1: Very nice. I look forward to it. <laughs>
2: Thank you so much for taking the time. Um, yeah,
1: no, well, thank you for taking the time coming on the show. Thank you. So, I want to put a second half of the interview with Chris Laurie from Destiny Rescue doing a wonderful, wonderful job. So here's the second half of the interview. And the police, I mean, a lot of the police are corrupt as well. I mean, do you find that quite a lot? Have you got to be careful who you're speaking to in the authorities as well?
3: Yeah, that's, that's a very important subject matter. Where it is much more delicate in Thailand, for example, and it depends on where the risk lies. So, if you're conducting a surveillance and a potential raid on a on a bar establishment, on a KTV, they call it. It's like, you know, one of the one of the mediums through which you uh, connect or relate or uh, with the girls is through this, this KTV, which is like a carry these little karaoke bars, which is nothing more than a couple of chairs. And a karaoke machine and a bottle of beer, and that's pretty much it. Um, if I show you some images of some of the places that these girls are kept, it's uh, it's absolutely uh, nah. horrific. It's not as even if they
1: make it if they try and make it look a glamorous, warm, welcoming surroundings. I mean, from the videos that I saw of yours, I mean, just the 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 surroundings are just absolutely terrible. It's just so seedy and and awful, it, you know.
3: Absolutely horrific, and. The the police to answer the question concerning the police is uh, that is definitely a component that needs to be managed and to a greater magnitude in some countries than in others. So, for example, mm-hmm. now in Thailand they are taking more action uh, against uh, trafficking of minors, and so there is a band of police force there that are very neutral, um, very low risk to deal with, and and we're, it's highly productive, and they. Their heart is in oh, anti is in anti trafficking. So yeah. so, but then then you know then they've got to take down other police who could be the owner of an establishment But that that gets managed um, in the Philippines, uh, for example. They they really started their anti trafficking uh, uh, anti sex trafficking campaign in twenty fifteen, where they started began to allocate funds to police departments, you know, for such activities. And so 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 there there's less risk we're having a very high success rate in uh, in the Philippines we had a, a big raid that was conducted in March uh, we started the surveillance on that in uh, in last uh, October and I was on the initial trip to this place it's three hours north of Manila and we got in the back of a truck and we're rumbling around in this back of this hardcover truck for three hours on you know Manila and Philippines pothole hmm. streets and now uh, we went to this place and it's a it's a it was a virtual compound and uh, it was fenced, it was fenced in in the middle of rice fields and um, we walked in there and it was it was really quite creepy uh, very very eerie feeling and um, anything could happen to you and you could just disappear <laughs> and really? Um, it really was pretty remote but um, we had this place was flooded uh, with minors, and we had conduct. We we attempted a raid there in November, and we had um, just some some errant action on behalf of one of the operatives on the police side that uh, put the mission at risk, and so it was aborted. And I never thought I'd see the day where this place got taken down, and so I I was away in January, and then I was due back in Philippines in February, and then they didn't even share with me what had been going on so I got back in February and they said you know um, we have this operation Um, it's the biggest one we're focusing on right now and they gave me the details and I said is it you know the compound and um, they said yes it is (laughs) and (laughs) and so what we had to do to answer your question concerning the potential uh, interference of law enforcement with the operations is um we had this um, event was very well planned out including um there's an individual who uh, is one of the leaders in special operations for philippines and i don't know if you recall but last year there was a town in southern philippines where uh isis went in and they killed some people and then they murdered oh, that's the, right. yeah, they murdered the uh the police <clears throat> chief and then they they carried his head down the street. And so this head of special ops, he tracked down the ISIS members responsible, killed the ISIS members, and then carried his head down the street. So our, our guy, our leader in the Philippines got this guy involved. And so if he's involved, probably not too many people are going to mess with the operation so we had we had so much surveillance on this place All right, that um, that they followed it through and then the police assisted with even more surveillance and, um, and it just became a really significant target so on that particular day that we went in for the raid we had two of our primary operatives uh, stay back and take out a member of one of the other police forces as a decoy saying okay we're gonna go out on surveillance tonight so you're coming with us so that way he would know that if these two operatives are in Manila at this particular time and we're going on in surveillance there can't be anything else going on so we had to create a decoy to prevent any ear interference with the operation so so we went up there and I'm like and I'm sitting out there and I, I had already been what's called uh, what's called burnt so um, I'm uh, what's called a burn agent which is somebody who will go in and serve a role for the primary operatives because if you go into a scenario and you are recognized then that's fine Um, you are considered you know of a a certain type of individual with the perpetrators and then so you're protecting the primary operatives identity you know by serving a purpose so I had already been burnt in that compound so if they saw somebody like myself walk in there they would say something's suspicious this guy's back so I was out on the perimeter in a van, and I'm like, "Man, if, if this place gets taken down, I just I just won't believe it if they take this place down." <laughs> and so, sure <laughs> enough, I mean, it was unbelievable. Then we got the signal, we went in, and I'm like, "Wow, I cannot believe this place just got secured, Um and it's full of miners." And so, how many, how many miners were in that uh, approximately? Uh, they yeah. pulled out fifty plus, fifty joking, plus yeah. uh, miners, and and I'm happy. If I'm ever to do a speaking engagement live speaking engagement that can show the images Um, the reason why it's important to show the images of the horrific conditions that um, this situation presents is that it's important for people to really see the reality I totally um, totally agree uh, with you there you know so which is why for example the videos that we shared with you it's important for people to see the Mm -hmm. behind the scenes and these these girls are so precious and so innocent and you know you just can't help but want to Wanted. No, you can't. I mean, sure. the, you know, the, the problem I always, I've
1: always felt, because I've been, I've had my organisation now for five years, and even now, I mean, when I started, not, I didn't meet one person that had even heard about it. And every mm-hmm. then when I started talking about it to people, the first thing you get is, no, I don't want to know, don't tell me. And I found that very frustrating, because they all want to help, or say they help, but they don't want to listen, they don't want to hear what's really going on. And that's why, with Rock Against Trafficking, I decided to do it through music. So, if you know, if people are going to see a concert, they're helping, even if even though they don't know, they're helping because I'm yeah. trying to make it so it's entertain, even because it's such a dark subject. Yes, the first that's thing to say is, oh, don't tell me, don't tell me, and and I think it's really important that everybody should see the, you know, the movies and the documentaries. documentaries.
0: Absolutely, one hundred percent.
1: But another thing that they always say that they have a problem helping other countries because they always feel that the money and, the, and the, all the funds and the help doesn't get to the, the right source, you know?
3: Yes, yes, that's, and that's a real concern and I can discuss those concerns as well. You know, we grew up in a very privileged society and for me, what drew me towards this particular cause is we all as humans know pain and suffering. Hmm. and through disease and emotional sufferings and relationship breakups and 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 you've got the whole spectrum but when I saw this there to me no one to date has been able to tell me uh, share with me anything that causes greater emotional and physical pain than being an 8, 10, 12, 14 year old girl who has their life they're basically um, dying an emotional and physical death at an extremely precious age and so like imagine like because some of these girls are trapped in the brothels like in India some of them are trapped by circumstances some of them are trapped because they get into a convoluted situation um, where these uh, brothel owners and traffickers make them indebted to them um, when they think they're making money, but they're actually not. The girls, can you imagine being 13 years old and each day your job is being pushed in front of a, a man and having to do whatever the man wants, Wants mm-hmm. they're basically being raped. And so the individual, their their, their conception of humanity and love and compassion and any sense of positive emotion is completely extracted from them. So it's it's completely changing the way they they think uh, you know, emotionally, changing their psyche, and they're dying a physical death as well. The physical and emotional offense is the worst atrocity we can put toward another. Oh, yeah. it's, to, it's totally
1: unimaginable. It, I mean, it really is. It's it really ridiculous.
3: is. Yes, and. You know, I think it's important for us in our privileged society to have compassion toward these girls. And, you know, one might say the problem is so big. How am I going to make a difference? Well, does one life matter? Even one? Just one? Because you don't know what that one can do when rescued from their circumstances. What if that one was you? What if that one was your child? And believe me, we're rescuing a lot more than one. And we're also creating change because, for example, if you recall the, the girl in India who had left the movie theater and then she was taken by it was a five, five men and they had raped her and killed her. And so this became quite globally, globally known event. So then the the government in India needed to have some level of accountability to the rest of the world, so that one single event created change. It was kind of unintended consequences to a situation, or or unintended uh, benefits to a situation that was just that just happened. So, if we continue to persist um, on all levels, then these types of events will take place, and change can slowly occur. Okay, can you get rid of it entirely? All right, that's a larger challenge. But as operatives, we actually see these girls and and all we can see is the preciousness in their face. And we see past the desperation of their situation, past the helplessness. Because some of these girls, can you imagine being 10 years old, you get sold into sex trafficking and you literally have no hope because there's nobody coming in after you there's no loving parent there's no you know relative or somebody Mm -hmm. who cares enough about them that they're willing to go through whatever it is they have to go through to take the girl out of the situation so imagine at that tender age having nobody coming after you and that's uh, our role ultimately is to go after the helpless because you can be in a helpless situation that you you were not aware that you were in so just by the way that the social influences around you led you to a situation where now you find yourself having been trapped like virtually trapped because you know how these things can get quite convoluted whether it's physically trapped or whether it's just emotionally or circumstantially trapped find yourself in a situation you're like how did I ever get here my life is absolutely horrible and there's no way out and they need somebody to come in and draw them out and the changes in these girls lives are unbelievable because they are just as smart as any of us they are just as capable as any of us they have just as much love living within them as any of us they're just no different they just grew up under a set of circumstances that has suppressed their ability to be an amazing creation.
1: I would imagine also, as well, Chris, that it's not only just that the the sex that they're having with these girls. It's like the physical abuse that you can imagine that must go on. I mean, do, they, do the pimps allow that? What if, say, for instance, there was a girl and she was physically abused as well or beaten during during the act. Do the pimps don't care about that. They've got no interest. In that it's just part. Is it part of the if there if somebody if a guy pays for it. He's entitled to do whatever he wants to this child. Is that is that how it is?
3: Uh, that's typically that's typically the case. There's no real consequences for um, a person who bu- physically abuses one of the subject one of the sub- subjects. I mean, the girls are really helpless,
1: yeah. and just you could see, even though you couldn't see the faces on that video of yours, you can see when they're walking the doors. The, yes, the, you can feel that they're just absolutely terrified. I mean, it's just ridiculous.
3: And they're living in a world where there's they don't even take the energy to have hope any longer. And so, you know, even if, like, let's say you're doing a bar surveillance and you you find a target in the bar um, that may subject the bar to to some consequences, but um, or there may be more. Where that came from but even if you just meet a girl who's just a single target in a bar and you sit with her and you know you just you can just say certain things like you don't want to blow your cover by being overwhelming but you just do subtle things like you'll say you'll have a conversation with them and in philippines they speak very good english in thailand less so so the girl might say something and then you'll say geez you know um you're pretty you're pretty smart what made it what was it that made you say that so the girl has probably not really been told she's smart before maybe ever but you say it in a way with specifics that they just really believe that wow this person thinks I'm smart and then you know then they'll start to open up a little bit because they're just kids then maybe it might lead to something like uh, so you know what do you love to do what's what's your special gift what do you what do you really enjoy doing or what do you enjoy doing that you don't get to do and these are things that again are not too they don't subject they're, they're not subject to expose you they're also important with the bonding situation with the girl so that you can get more information where it can lead down a path where they can become rescued. So now the girl starts to feel somewhat valued and then they'll start disclosing more things about their life, their circumstances, et cetera. And so, you know, I had a situation where a girl shows me all of the cuts. And and this is is a girl who, if you were to put her in a California elementary school, she would be the rock star of the school. She's so beautiful and just her presence and just so genuine looking, if she was in that set of circumstances, you know, the peer group influence, she would be the leader of the pack and the most, you know, the popular girl. But now instead, she is being abused every night in, you know, in an un, a virtual unknown place in Manila. And so then she shows me all the slits up her arms and attempt, suicide attempts. And that's the real story. Of her oh, life, it's just, it's, and when the good thing you talk about Manila, what I've
1: just done is I've just finished, um, you know, the band Journey. Yes. Well, he's from he's from the Philippines. Is the new singer? Wow. Uh, Arnell. Um, wow. We've just finished. In fact, I sent it off to them last night, and Journey are going to be playing this song on every concert and through the arenas and they're gonna have Rock Against Trafficking and Wait and Donate. Fantastic. So and, Fantastic. It, and he's obviously from the Philippines which is which is so relevant and he really wants to help. Fantastic. And so you know that's I mean that's that's the way I've tried you know, I'm trying to do it, obviously yes. And everybody that I wanna get on board all the all the celebrities they're they all wanna help you know so and they wanna help they wanna help full operations like i mean my goal is to do concerts, release the album, and all the proceeds go to help people like wow. you, and so 'cause this is obviously this must cost money and it's not it's not funded at all, you know
3: yes the um we should connect him with our head of operations in uh, manila and uh you know the story with him is and he's in one of these videos and i'm happy to send out these these private videos to anyone who is listening to this program that yeah. wants to see the videos i'm very happy to send out that information um, it's very revealing on what goes on in the streets but our leader in philippines for example he's He's part Filipino part Australian so he can kind of play both roles but he does everything and so for example I mean he can live on 20 to 30,000 us a year to yeah. to, do, to do everything that he does as, as for him to survive um, and then the budgets will come from the organization for you know for raids and and, and some surveillance and whatnot but this guy he he at Christmas time he had to go back to Australia to try to work for a month to raise money to to, to, to work to maybe do a few speaking engagements to raise money so that he can survive in Manila while he does his operations and and the thing is, is these guys are so deep in their operations that they just do not have any social network as we know it All right, so see. you know I mean they're, they're Manila bound they don't just don't have a business network they don't have just any kind of network to draw Resources from and so this is where I want to help out as you are helping out. Yeah. Yeah, you know We just send funds specifically to the operatives um, and even things like last year uh, he was using a phone that was about Three to four years old and had a big pink line through it and uh, the pink line got so wide He said I just had to get a new phone, but even if you've got like an old phone uh, or laptop computer that you can donate like um, like, an, like an old, we typically will use uh, Androids because they're surveillance friendly. Yeah. Um, but even if you've got like a, a decent phone that you know could be useful because we've got operatives that we pay $500 a month, like local guys that we yeah. pay on the front lines, pay them about 500 bucks a month and they can't afford a phone and they're on their own. They're on their own. The, the organization does not... Buy them a phone so so funds donated to destiny rescue the organization goes for that goes those funds go to operations so it goes to the recovery homes goes to uh you know all the aspects of more like a lot of the recovery journey um as well as funding funding stings and funding some surveillance so where the operatives are not paid a salary at all so the only salaries that are paid are like a monthly stipend uh, for example $500 a month for a Filipino is you know average kind of wage really? so we'll pay them $500 a month and maybe we need like an admin one admin I think we have in Philippines who does everything and we pay them 500 we pay 300 to the social services girl who uh, takes care of all the girls and makes sure they're allocated to the right Home, like they, along with social services, but she works for Destiny Rescue. So, and because uh, I'm fairly prudent with funds, and uh, I've been in the financial business for 18 years, and 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 I look look over these guys, and uh, they are extremely prudent uh, with their funds. Mm. So, I mean, we were we were doing a surveillance, you know, a couple months ago and we went into an establishment and the way the business model works in an establishment is is if i buy a drink for me just just using basic numbers if i buy a drink for me it's $1 hmm. but the girls are supposed to get as many drinks bought for them as possible which encourages them to drink so it's 5 so if i buy a drink for the girl it's $5 and she gets a ticket so so she has to sell x number of drinks per week otherwise they take it out of her pay okay so so we went into surveillance in this one place and um, we and it was there was a good number of targets and we were on like the second drink and and Elmo says "Uh, we got to get out of here because it's seven bucks it's too much it's too expensive to buy a drink for the girl so we can't stay long just get the information and so you know the certain information that we will that we need to get by before we leave. Um, information from the girls and um he says get the information and let's get out of here we can't we can't stay here it's just it's not within the budget so they they're just extremely mindful of every where every penny goes and that's um you know so and then and then if we have a sting um then we have to propose a budget for the sting Uh, yeah, so it's, it's. believe me, the funds are not, are not. You know. What does
1: one of these operations cost to, to set up, you know, from start to finish uh, approximately?
3: Uh, well, the, you know, the start is very, the start is pretty loose because it just depends on whether it's a bar or on the street and how many contacts you make. But, you know, a start to finish might cost 3000 US dollars 3,000 which is nothing which is nothing really is it's, it when you think about no. it no no and you're saving you know let's say you know probably minimum of 8 8 girls usually usually the groups when we set up like a, a small uh, when a small party or small sting is set up it's usually a minimum you're probably gonna get a minimum of 8 targets out of there and maybe maybe in the low 20s um, and then in the like I say, in the, in the larger compound, uh, we had 50, 50 plus. Mm. That and sense. that one, we're going to have that one on video mm. um, sometime in June or July. and it's going to be a private video. So um, it's important, you, you'll probably need to connect with myself yes, uh, yeah. to get access to it, but but we, we do have a we do have a documentation of that whole sting.
1: So that so that that's just a private videos. The, the ones that I've got are just private videos. They're not to be shared anywhere or anything like that. no?
3: Um, we they're like they're password protected. So if we think that there's individuals that have a genuine interest, um, then we will send it off to them. It, the thing is, if we send it out on social media, we lose kind of to some degree we lose control. Well, yeah,
1: Because then, cause then they're going to find out all these pe- perpetrators start to, if they see too much of what you're doing, you're giving them, you're basically giving them a heads up really, I suppose, aren't you? Before- uh,
3: that's to some degree, but it, you know, they, they never know what they're subject to no. and, and by whom. So, and in Manila and some of the places we go, you know, they just don't have a lot of communications facilities but what about
1: this country as well because that's the thing that I always get they always think when you talk about human trafficking here you maybe see it for at the most two days and then it's just forgotten about and that's the problem I found is that people don't actually believe it goes on here in in America Hmm. and in all different countries Hmm. and that's that's what I have found really difficult for people to to get people to understand you know
3: yeah you know it's like it's like for example if you take um a woman who gets into an abusive marriage and you might ask them and then they over time they slowly um have revelation as to you know how and why they got into that set of circumstances and you might ask them about the process as to how they you know um, ended up where they did and you know a lot for a lot of them that's just what they know about the world that's their the reference points that they've had as they've grown up um that's just they've either had you know maybe maybe controlling parents or you know I'm not sure what the psychological uh profile is of such a girl exactly but um but it's not unlike you know when you're a young girl and you and you you'll just do what an adult says and you don't know if it's right or wrong you you, of course you know it's uh, uncomfortable and it it uh, doesn't seem right but you just do it because you're somehow being manipulated or led mm. by this adult and then that becomes your world and you know a lot of individuals are, are led into uh, being trafficked in this in this way and I know that I think there was somebody who was recently speaking in LA who was the daughter of um, someone who trafficked who trafficked her hmm. in the industry, and and so you know the stories can vary widely. And so who are we to judge, uh, you know, if and how somebody um, finds herself in that set of circumstances, whether it's in a third world country, second world country, I, or I agree with first world totally. country, you know, because yeah. we're we're all human, and we all have you know fallen to the same uh, influence, just in a different context what are
1: the laws against the tourists that go and look go for looking for these girls what, what happens to them if they, they do they get arrested or they're put in prison what, what's the score there
3: i mean if you're a tourist uh seeking a minor then it's obviously it's illegal it can be difficult like there's no real process where the police are looking for the offenders per se they're looking for the dealers, the traffickers. Yeah. So um, there's not a lot of consequences in that sense don't you because th- don't you think if the
1: consequences were bad, especially for minors, if they were bad, like the were like the were here, because there a lot of um, European people and American people go there because there's no consequences. I think that's what that's half the problem as well. Because if they thought like people do that, even with the drug trade. In yes. the Philippines is it the death sentence in the Philippines or life imprisonment or something in there something yeah
3: yes so the 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 consequences because there's there's of course the problem so our role is to uh, get the girls out so we're yeah. not necessarily in the solution finding business yeah however, course, I understand, however yeah. if you do put the fear into an individual before they engage in the activity then 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 clearly it would be a deterrent just as because my business is in Singapore and when you enter Singapore it is very clearly noted on the entrance card that if you are bringing narcotics into the country you are you're punishable by death and and they don't go through a long drawn out legal process they just you're just punished <laughs> really? straight out
1: so there's no trials so, and all that sort of stuff. Well, get, I mean, there there is, but, but, it really, but it's not.
3: It's it's a little leaner than what you might experience in America. So, so you don't have a drug problem in Singapore. There's just no drug problem there, really, uh, at at all, at all. So people know the consequences, and and um and you just don't want to be spending any time in a Philippine or Thai or Indonesian jail, <laughs> you know. know. So, so, uh, that's um, true, yeah. It's 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 a bigger battle to fight for a smaller sample size. Where you know we just we just for us what's important is is the lives of these girls and and uh, but it's, well, a, it's it's a tough one.
1: No, it it is well. I think what what you're doing, Chris, is absolutely fantastic. And the, why I got my organization together was to support people like yourselves, you know, because you can. There's people with boots on the ground. I'm friends with Underground Railroad. There's another organization. They're going and do a similar sort of thing. And there's a lot mm-hmm. of people that are doing that. I think. People are mm. taking it upon, th- upon themselves to go and rescue these children because they're just getting left. There's a lot of t- children's TV hosts yes. from, from the early 80s that are yes. now either in prison or they're dead because of child abuse. Amazing. They, didn't think they would get, you know, found out. Yes. And where I lived in London, there was a house that was just there for foster children to be put wow. into that nobody bothered about at all. Wow! And then there was then they were building a a hotel on the Isle of Man, I think, or Isle of Wight, mm-hmm. where they could just put all the young boys and girls and all the celebrities would go to the Isle of Man. Wow! It was I mean this is this was going on in the eighties and it's just and mm-hmm. it's when I found out that it was round the corner from me, I mean literally walking distance. It was yeah. crazy, you know. This. And, and and not even knowing that it's going on. No, I mean if you if you if you'd have seen this area, Chris, you would not believe it. It's one of the it's wow. a place called Putney in um in London. Really re- lots of celebrities around there, lots of famous mm-hmm. people, you know. So, wow. I mean our, our plan on doing um, Hollywood Against Trafficking, which is going mm-hmm. to be all the famous actors that can sing as well. Mm-hmm. And they're gonna mm-hmm. do we're gonna do an album and they're bring and i've already got famous people already that are willing to do this you know
3: fantastic
1: so you know but i think i think what you do is what what do you want to give a,
3: tell everybody your website and everything chris um, the website of the organisation so there's so there's two things i want to point out is there's the organisation and then um, we are the operatives and um, so the operatives they have to fund themselves so the organisation is not legally allowed to give the operatives the operatives staff um the volunteer operatives uh any funds and, and all of our primary operatives that work 24 and 7 they are um they are on their own coin so so a donation to the organization is to the organization and that's called destinyrescue.org um just spelled as it sounded sounds yeah. um d-e-s-t-i-n-y-r-e-s C-U-E dot org um, and uh, so that's the organization if you want to check out uh, you know what we do um, and then if you want um, access to some of the videos you can email me yeah. and and then I can also give you information on the operatives who are featured in these uh, videos my email address is Chris Laurie, C-H-R-I-S L-O-R-I the number one at gmail.com Laurie one at gmail.com and i'm very happy to answer any questions uh speaking engagements uh talk to you on the phone um any inquiries you have if you want access to the um to the videos i'm happy to send those if you want to learn more about what we do on the streets uh um, but also in these guys, some of the guys they've got GoFundMe pages, of course, yeah. um, which I can provide you with. Uh, but also some of the guys they just need a phone, an unlocked phone that they can put their Philippine SIM card in, and um, you know something. Even if you've, you've got something like this, just any anything. And believe send me, the anything phones else, to
1: you, to the to the organization. Is that where the? Uh,
3: what we do is, um, you can send them to an, ad, an address that uh, you can send them actually to an address that I can provide you with. And then what we do is when um, members go over, whether they're, whether they're um, working in the homes or whether for rescue ops, um, they can take the phones with them because we don't want to mail them to the Philippines. No, of course uh, not, no. Just, Right. So, so we take them over with us physically and, and uh, we'll allocate them uh, accordingly. Oh well, that's
1: well. I'll promote that as well, Chris. I mean I think and I'd love to have you because now we're just getting organized again out at rock against trafficking and I'd love yes. to have you on a, like a speaking engagement until you can tell your story to some of these people as well because I think I think everybody needs to be aware of this problem because it's it's not getting better I mean I started it five years ago and it's not getting better at all in fact it's getting getting worse you know
3: I mean every life matters and um if you and I do believe I do
1: believe also people think I'm just one person you'll never do anything and I I used to think that but since I've been doing this operation it's surprising how many people you can
3: get out there and reach It is amazing. And even if you live in this first world society, think about that one individual that had a huge impact in the direction of your life. And um, so imagine that, but you are living in a six foot by four foot room, sleeping on a floor with ants crawling all over you. Uh Literally, I have the pictures and you're just being sold multiple times a night and being an individual that can change the direction of that person's life even in our world we all have the person that changed our lives yeah of course definitely yeah all right? right i agree and so uh anything helps and we'd love to share the story
1: and when do you ever do
3: you ever get to los angeles chris at all, very often yes yes i do uh from time from time to time but again i'm happy to um i'm, I'm happy to to go out and speak um, you know really anywhere anytime um, because I now consider it to be my primary, um, um, my primary interest.
1: Well, was the same with me when I first. When I saw it was an organization called IJM, International mm-hmm. International Justice Mission. There's yes. Some, yes. Do, are you familiar with them?
3: Yes, they sometimes will contact uh, our guys, um, because now they're they're more online focused, right? And they sometimes will contact our guys. In fact, I was in Pattaya last year. igm had contacted us asking us to check out an internet cafe um to see if if they were offering girls through this internet cafe so yes i'm familiar with them
1: yeah yeah so and that's when i well that's when i first somebody showed me a leaflet and i couldn't believe it and i just thought Mm. well maybe i'll just do a i wanted to do something with music to help you know Mm -hmm. and it was Mm -hmm. supposed to be a three-month project and that was five years ago. <laughs> yeah. It's, one, it's <laughs> one of those it's one of those things where once you get in once you get into it and you learn about it, yes. it's not yep. something that you can just do and yes. walk away from, I don't think. It's the same it's, with me, with um, you know, my new companies and that. It's all to do yes. with music and entertainment and movies and sporting people. And they're to me the biggest influences in the human race, really. You know, everybody loves yes. celebrities in every country. Like I said, uh, Manila. With um, I think mm-hmm. I think that's where um, Arnell from Journey is from. I think so. Mm-hmm. He's he's very well aware of that. So we've got we, a good.
3: We have to we have to connect them with our with our leader.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll def, definitely do that. Definitely, yeah. because they're going to be doing the like I said earlier on, tour an arena tour, and started rehearsing mm-hmm. yesterday. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be on the big screens in all the arenas, so Amazing. people are going to be aware Amazing. of that. And um, that's what I've tra- I'm trying to achieve with. Because I'm just a record producer, nothing, you know. I, when, <laughs> to, when I, together, together we can do it. Exactly, and that's what I believe. And It doesn't matter what you do, you know. If you've got a voice with this, you, you can really do, make yes. a lot of difference. I think. Yes. So, well, listen. I will, I really want to thank you for coming on the show and everything. And this is going to get put out, and it's going to. I want to make this a lot the long interview on the radio station because I think it's really important.
3: Great. And th- um, th- thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate uh, all of our supporters and, and anyone who takes interest in this because um, it really is a very remarkable yeah. and profound uh, cause. Yes. And this, got, this is going all over the world. There's
1: to, I mean, I'm just starting this to get the voice out there and get everybody, to, as many people for, aware of what's going on. You
3: know? Yeah, th- th- thank you for your efforts. We appreciate it. Bro.
1: But appreciate you as well, and I love the organization, and um, I'm sure well, we'll definitely be working together on lots of different things.
3: I appreciate it, Gary. Thanks a lot. Thank you
1: so much, Chris. Take care. Bye-bye for now, then. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week, 12 o'clock till 1 o'clock, noon.
0: Thank you for listening this week to Rock Against Trafficking. The mission of Rock Against Trafficking, a 501c3 nonprofit organization, is to bring awareness and to combat global human trafficking through the power and influence of music, the arts, and entertainment. Join Gary Miller again live next Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and noon Pacific Time for another program on the Voice America Influencers Channel. For more information about Rock Against Trafficking, visit rockagainsttrafficking.org.